Welcome to our brand new series, Drumroll, please. It is called Finding Joy. Now, if your name is Joy, we'll not be stalking you throughout this series. We are actually finding joy by studying the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippian church. In it, we are going to see a picture of a healthy, vibrant, loving, woke church. And we are going to see them covered in joy. And by the time we end this series, the week before Christmas, I want you to see you covered in joy because that's what is on the table. So hang with us. In this series, we are going to see that you and I have the opportunity to choose joy over and over and over again in every circumstance. That is the truth in every stance, circumstance of life. In fact, Paul is writing this letter from prison and he is not working there as a guard. He's doing time right, for preaching the gospel. And if he can write about joy from prison, then you can have joy in your current circumstance and anything you face. Does that sound good? Okay. Now, at Western, we lost a precious young man uh, early this week uh, named Jared. And uh, there's a lot of people who knew him, particularly at the 1030. And, and they need to know, we all need to know that we can still find joy. So I ask you to pray for them as we will pray for them. Lord, please, please bring comfort that only you can bring. Bring joy back. Right? And, and Lord, that all these people, all these young people, old people, everybody in between people might know your love and have hope and joy in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, in Philippians, we're not only going to see uh, people covered in joy, we're going to see the church that Bethany is called to be, wants to be, prays to be, is, is committed to becoming. We want to walk with Jesus in joy and faith and victory. And we want to see all the people of our town, all the people of our university know Jesus and find joy and freedom in him. We want to we want to be so drenched in him that his passions become our passions. His agenda becomes our agenda. His will becomes our will. His compassion becomes our compassion. His love becomes our love. His power becomes our power. His wants become our wants. And Jesus wants, get this, everybody in this town, everybody at Western to know him and find joy in knowing him. And so that's what we want. I am not even kidding. But here's the problem. The problem is that some people, even some of us, think Jesus is a killjoy. And it's not. He is so not a killjoy. He is exactly the opposite. Jesus said, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. His joy in you, that's overwhelming, that's overcoming, that is incredible, that is, that is overflowing. That's what he's talking about. Jesus invented joy. He is the source of all joy. He is the fountain of joy. And when he lives inside you, he can put a fountain of joy inside you so that you can't contain it. It spills over into your marriage, into your kids, into your friends, into your workplace, into the town, into the university. That's what it's about. Joy is not like 
or it's different from its companion, which is happiness, right? Ain't nothing wrong with happiness. It's just common. It's just cheap, and it's just fleeting. A cold Diet Coke can make me happy. But when it is flat or warm or empty, the, the, the happiness that it gave me is gone too. Because happiness depends on what is happening. That's where the word comes from. Pleasant circumstances. Anybody could be happy in pleasant circumstances. Joy. Joy is deep. The joy is lasting. Does not depend on things going well financially, relationally, whatever Lee you got, right? That's what we're looking for. And when we understand the difference between happiness and joy, isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy how much time and effort and money and brain damage we put into chasing happiness versus what we invest in finding joy? If that fountain of joy that I talked about was a real thing, and, and I assure you it is. Would it not be wise to spend everything you have and all your time to, to find it, whatever it costs? Of course it would. But here's the good news. The search is over. Joy is here. Joy is in Jesus Christ. And, and it is offered to you. It is on the table. Right? And the price has been paid. It is costly, but it has been blood-bought by Jesus on the cross for our sins. It has been paid for, bought, and offered to you. And here, we are going to enter into it, live in it, and export it. That's what we're doing. Okay. That's what we're doing. And I, and I know, we got people here saying, I'm, look, I, I do not think Jesus is a killjoy. I don't know who these people are you're talking about, but they're not, they don't hang with me. I am not. Okay, good. Okay, if that's where you are, then do this for me. Think about the times in your life when things kind of crash and you need relief, you need joy, you need escape. Okay, you got those times? You got those situations in mind? Okay, ask yourself this. Do you run to Jesus for joy, relief, and escape? Or do you run away from Jesus to someone or something else that Jesus substitute? I, I don't need to hear your answer. You know what your answer is. In fact, God brought some of you here this morning to wrestle with this very question. And we haven't even started yet. Right? Okay, so here we go. We better start. Here we go. Book of Philippians, if you have your Bibles, open them there. If you don't have a Bible, check out one of the ones under the seat in front of you. Okay? You want to use that. You want to turn to page 1125. You might also find a half-eaten donut with the icing licked off. Leave that there. That's mine. <laughs> Saving it for later. Page 1125 in one of them. Otherwise, you're in Philippians chapter 1. If you don't own a Bible... Surprise, you do now. You're holding it. That one's yours to keep. You take it if you need it. But if you take it, I want you to read it because when you read it, God is going to talk to you. And there is nothing better. So you do that, okay? Now, we are going to unpack this as we go. We're going to find some life-changing and joy-inducing truths. But to do that, i got to pray. Lord, we need you. We need your help. They don't need Tom.
They need you, Lord. We all need you. And the power of your word and the power of your spirit. So would, would you do this? Please, would you speak? Would you stand in my body? Would you use my voice? Would you use the power of your written word? Would you use the power of your Holy Spirit to speak to us? But Lord, even if you do, if you don't give us ears to hear, hearts to believe, it's going to bounce off because that's it's the kind of man I am. It's the kind of people we are. So we confess that to you. We say, Lord, open us up. Let us hear and believe and be changed. That's what you want. Show yourself. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we go. Verse 1, Paul is writing from prison. He says, Paul and Timothy, Timothy's hanging out with him, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and the, the deacons. Okay, stop there. If you got your worksheet, if you got your Bible, I want you to circle two words. Servants and saints. Saints and servants. That's who we are. That's who we are in Christ. And those are two keys to joy in your life. Knowing you're a saint and be, saying, I want to be a servant. Right? That's what it's about. Saints and servants. There are other ways to live for sure. But there are no better ways to live. There are other ways. No better ways than being a saint and a servant. When I think of saint, it transports me back to being a little boy uh, growing up Catholic in New York. And uh, in Manhattan, if you've never been, um, even if you have been, there's a place called St. Pat's Cathedral. It looks like it ate Gunnison Main Street for lunch and didn't even belch. It's huge. It's enormous. Like I used to think that's where God lived. And in one sense, you know, kind of. But like there's a big altar like going that's cavernous. And on the sides, there are all these uh, other small altars with like dedicated to the saints and stuff. And, and I used to look at all of those saints and I would go home. And I would stand in the bathroom mirror with my bathrobe on over my clothes because that's the closest thing I had to what they were wearing. And even then I knew I would never be a saint. I, I knew I would never have what it took to be a saint. I have a better opportunity, better chance of becoming a professional limbo dancer if there was such a thing than I do of being, being a saint. God's Hall of Fame God's varsity team. I would never be good enough. But then I heard the gospel. That, that if I just trusted that Jesus Christ came on a rescue mission for me, that he absorbed all my sin and took it upon himself and went to the cross and he died for it there. If I trusted in that, if I trusted in his resurrection to give me new life, then, then something happened. He would take my sins past, present, and future, paid for, and give me his righteousness. And right then, I would become, in his eyes, a saint. Can you imagine a saint? Yep. And you too. You can be a saint. There is incredible joy in knowing that you are a saint. Blood bought, washed, Jesus sold out. Yes, you are a saint. You say, no, I'm not. No. Yes, you are a saint. If you have, if you have given your heart, if you have received Jesus Christ, 
as your Lord. He sees you as a saint. And that's a beautiful thing. Jesus doesn't. Look, in this world, you have to accomplish something, you have to earn something, and then you get the title. Right? Or whatever the title is that you dream about, CEO, president, millionaire, uh, uh, champion, whatever that is, retiree, empty nester, I don't know what, what title you're working for in your life. Whatever that is. But Jesus does it different. He does all the work. He does all the earning. Right? And then he gifts to you the title. And then he says, now that you are this, I'm going to live inside you, give you power to walk it out, to live into it. He says, you're my daughter, you're my son, you're my saint. Now, go live in the reality of that. He didn't say, you go and if and when you are good enough, I'm going to let you in my family. No, he says, I was good enough for you, so now you're adopted in. Now I'm going to give you the power to live like you're a member of my family. Okay. That's the difference. You're a saint. So you are either a saint this morning or you can become one today. You walk out of here a saint. Right? If you, if you just give Jesus your all, you just receive him. You trust him. Right? That's it. And if you're a saint, you become a servant. Because you've got the greatest servant of all living inside you. Jesus who said this, the greatest among you shall be your, what is that? Servant! Right? Culture will tell you in every ad, in everything, in every way that you, success and joy come into your life when you are, when you got enough cabbage to hire servants for you. Now Jesus flips the script on that and gives it a body slam. He says, no, that is all wrong. That is exactly wrong. Success and joy come into your life when you realize that in me you can become the servant of all. That's the reality. That is the joy that he's calling us into. Okay, okay. So here's the question. Would Jesus look at your life and say that you're a servant? Would he look at your life and say you're a servant? No, no shame, no shame. Just an opportunity to say, God, maybe he'd say, uh, no. Uh, or not all the time, or sometimes in some circumstances with some people. But there's an opportunity for each one of us to go to him today and say, okay, I'm going to bring you this. This not quite, not enough, no. And I want you to make it you. I want my life to be joyfully serving my wife, joyfully serving my husband, joyfully serving those people I can't stand at my work, joyfully serving the people on my team, joyfully serving this town. This, you know, I, 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 in my flesh, that ain't in me, but you're in me. So will you make that happen? You could do that. You could do that today. Today, saints and servants. Anybody got any, any questions or where are we going right now? Comments? You doing okay? You got this? Okay, good. Now, saints and servants, the saints going to have more joy in serving than we ever had before. I mentioned this to you two weeks ago. We are taking on the gunny packs. Okay? This church is taking it on. Which means there are elementary school students, middle school students, high school students that won't eat over the weekend unless we do this. But they're going to eat because we're going to bring them bags of food 
carry them through. And this is going to be a ministry of our Western students. Okay? So I'm going to be talking about this more at the 1030. But if you're a Western student and this drums your heartstrings, we got the money for it. We just need the army that's going to shop once a quarter, stuff bags once a month, and deliver them once a week. And you can do this. You Western student, you come talk to me. It's going to bring them joy, going to bring you joy, going to bring Jesus glory. Okay, onward. That was just like two verses. That was one verse. Here we go. What is in store for the saints and servants? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace come to saints and servants. And grace plus peace equals joy, and ain't nobody doesn't need more of that. So, if you need more grace, more peace, more joy, you cozy up to Jesus a little bit more than you've been doing. Okay? That's on the way. Verse 3, here we go. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayer with joy. So you got joy, but he focused on himself. Do you see that? Who's he talking to? I thank who? God. He's talking about God first, and he's thinking about other people second. Some of you heard this symbol or whatever it's called. The joy is Jesus, others, and you. You got to get the order right or don't spell joy. Not on paper and not in your heart. That's what Paul's doing. And he's praying for them with joy. Isn't that freaky? How often do you and I think of prayer and joy in the same context? But the more you pray for your peeps, the more joy they're going to have, the more joy you are going to have because God is going to pour himself into you and through you into them. It's going to be beautiful. So you've got to know this. If you want to have more joy, you've got to pray for your peeps. Right? Well, who are they? We're going to get to that. Look, if, if you leave here with nothing, don't fall for the common lie that more of what has never provided joy for you is going to somehow provide joy for you in the future. It's not. You've got to do something different. Do Jesus. Do praying for your peace. Okay, like I promised, we're going to get, we're going to, get to that in a minute, but first we've got to do this. Verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel... Okay, you got your Bibles. I want you to circle partnership in the gospel. So this is the Bible that belongs under the seat. I don't care. You circle it for the next person who's going to read it. They need to know. They're partners in the gospel. They're being called to that. You're being called to that. That's our calling. That's for you. That's for me. Are you a partner in the gospel? Great. Great. That sounds like another burden, another job, another obligation, another thing I don't have time for, energy to do. Look, Tom, I am burdened. I am weighed down. I am almost burnt out. I am losing any sanity that I may have had. I am tired. I am doing more than ever. It never seems to be enough. I got family drama. I got money drama. I got work drama. I got school drama. I got friend drama. I got drama drama. Right? I got practice. I got games. I got demands. I got tests. I got papers. I got expectations. I got parenting. And don't even start with the parenting because the first kid needs to go here and the second kid needs to go there and the third kid needs to go across town and here's the thing. I just realized we only have two kids. <laughs> Who is this third kid? What are they doing in my house? I'm stressed. Well, that's good news. 
Jesus didn't come to give you another bag and more burden. He came to lift it off of you. Because life, if you live the kind of life I do sometimes, it feels like when you do a big grocery run and for some reason you decide you got to take all these bags out in one trip into the house. You've done this, haven't you? You get them up and down the arms. You get them over the head. You've got some in your teeth. You have no idea how you're going to open a garage door. But you're going to. It's like somebody in that circumstance coming up to you with a big 36-pack of bottled water. Say, here, take this and run with it. Okay, and you never get to put it down. Bye-bye. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. That is not being a partner in the gospel. So what is it? What is it? Here it is. Partnership in the gospel is not another thing to do. It's the why behind everything you already do. You do everything you do so that Jesus' love goes viral. Goes viral. You're going to raise your kids so that Jesus' love goes viral. You're going to heal your marriage so that Jesus' love goes viral. You're going to work the way you work so that Jesus' love goes viral. You're going to serve your co-workers the ones you can't stand in a way so that Jesus' love goes viral. You play on a team, you're going to play every down, every snap, every play so that Jesus' love goes viral. You're going to love your teammates so that Jesus' love goes viral. Look, you're going to do all... I'm pretty sure that you can't cook meth so that Jesus' love goes viral. But but most other stuff, (laughs) most other things you can do so that Jesus' love goes viral. And in that, in that burden, the burden becomes lighter, the joy becomes greater, the peace becomes bigger. Why? Because you ain't carrying the bags. Jesus is because he's carrying you. Partnership in the gospel is not another heavy bag to strap on, not another obligation. It's changing the reason, the purpose, and the goal behind all you are already doing so that Jesus' love goes viral. That's what it's about. And if you and I do that, that will transform the most burdensome Monday, the most boring mundane task into glory and you and the people you serve will have more joy. So here's the question. Would Jesus say that you are a partner in the gospel with him so that his love goes viral? Again, maybe a yes, maybe a no, maybe a sometimes in certain situations, but this is our chance. To enter into joy as we enter into Him. Right? Say, I wouldn't say that that fully describes me. But I want it to. And you're the only one who can make it so. Will you make it so? Will you change my, my mind and my heart to make it so? Okay. No, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. He's going to change that. And some of you are feeling like not enough. 
And this service has made you feel like so much change. God wants to encourage you. Lift your face. Say, no discouragement for you. He wants to encourage you, and he does that through Paul in verse 6. And I am sure of this. Here's your encouragement. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ Jesus. Right? Underline that. Circle that. You got your... He who began a good work in you will be faithful, other versions say, to complete it. What does that mean? What does that mean? I like to start a lot of projects. I don't exactly like to finish a lot of projects, which means that at work and at home and sometimes even in the church. I got lots of projects that are like 75 to 90% done. Because I would always rather start something new than finish what I've been doing. Can anybody relate? Oh, I'm the only one. Okay. All right, all you unfinished people. All right. The good news is our God is not like me. You're saying, yes, it is good news. He's not like you. I wish you were more like him. So do I. So do I. Look, Jesus finishes what he starts. And the great news for you is that this is true. If you belong to Jesus, Jesus hasn't given up on you. Gee, that's what that means. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. If you belong to Jesus, Jesus hasn't given up on you. You don't know that that's true, Tom. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how many times I've done it. You don't know the people I've done it with, and you don't know how long I've been stuck in this. Right. I don't know that, but I do know this, that if your faithfulness and performance determine Jesus' faithfulness and performance, then you would be God, not him. But he is God, and his ways are saying, I am not leaving you alone. I am not done with you, and I am not giving up on you. So you who think that you might have given up on God, and you are about to give up on yourselves, don't do it, because he hasn't given up on you. And he is not going to give up on you. He didn't give it up on you. You're not disqualified. The cross said, your past, I got it. Your future, I got it. Your shame, I got it. Your hope, it's me. I'm not done yet. I haven't put you out the pasture. Don't you give up on me. And don't you give up on you. Because I'm not giving up on you. That's his promise. That's your encouragement. All right. This is your day to get back in step with what Jesus wants to do in your life. That's going to lead you into more joy than you know. Okay, last thing. We were talking about um, praying for your peeps. Okay, so I'm not going to leave you alone on this. Verse 7, Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. Boom. It doesn't say boom, but that's a boom, okay? I want you to underline, circle, star, with a smiley face, whatever you got. I hold you in my heart. Here's a question. Whom do you hold in your heart? Say, Tom, you're a little creepy. I don't want to hold you in my heart. 
I don't even want to touch you without gloves on. That's okay. That's okay. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your first and most important answer to this is Jesus. I hold Jesus in my heart. Why? Because you found out that he's been holding you in his heart from the very beginning when he thought you up. I holding you in his heart. The second question is besides Jesus, who are you holding in your heart? Who are you holding? If you hold Jesus in your heart, he is calling you to hold others. To hold others in your heart for him. He is. Now, I need for you to know that he is calling you. You are a pastor. You are a, uh, a chaplain, if you will, for a group of people that you are to hold in your heart. And you need to know what they are. Like all of you, all of you are in this book. This is my book. This is my list. Okay? Then I, I, I lift you up on a daily basis. I pray, pray for you. So I can't do that. I'm not asking you to do that. That's not your mantle. That's not your call. That's mine. Right? But you have one. You, you have one. You are, you are my responsibility. Who is your responsibility spiritually? I want you to list them. You've got to know who they are. I would start with your family. I'd go to your friends. List them. Who do you work with? Who do you go to school with? Right? Who do you play on your team with? All of them. Even the people that you don't like. List them. And you're going to lift them up every day. Just like Paul does. You're going to hold them in your heart with great affection so that they would know and find joy in Jesus Christ. If you do this, if you do this, and I want you on your own time, I want you to read his prayer for us. Well, no, I'm going to do it for you. There we go. Verse 8. For God is my witness how I yearn for you. You're going to yearn for these people to know Jesus. Right? With all the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment, which means you're not only going to love large, you're going to love smart. Right? So you're not going to love in a way that's destructive. You're going to love smart and big so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless. You're not going to be divided. They're not going to be have divided hearts or compartmentalized lives. It's all going to be unified in Him. That's joy. That's, that's life. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's going to use you big time to do things that only He can do. And that's my prayer for you. That's going to be your prayer for your peeps. And if you do this, if you do this, you're going to see more joy and more fruit in your life, in your family, in your workplace than you have ever seen. And this town and this university is never going to be the same. I promise you. Here's the question. Will you commit to listing the people Jesus has entrusted to you to hold in your heart, to pray daily for them and love and serve them in order to point them to him so that his love goes viral. It's like my gum like disintegrated and it's all over everything. It's horrible. 
Um, here's the question. And you don't need to answer it to me. You need to answer that to Jesus. Because if, if, if you want to hang around here and play, you can. But you're not going to be happy. Because we're going full on. Nothing short. Nothing short of all sold out. You know, and, and if I make if I make space here because there's seats and people people want something different, look, I'm about what God wants for me and for us. And I love you. I want you to be in on that too. I know I know a bunch of you are. But answer that. Now we're gonna we have a meal that celebrates this. Why don't you bring the lights down? Jesus in my heart, holding my heart, holding you in my heart, you holding Jesus in your heart, so you holding me and others in your heart, all because Jesus holds us in his heart. Do you know what that's called? It's called communion. And in, in some um, Christian faith traditions, that's what they call this, this meal. Christ in us, knit together, together, because of his love and sacrifice. And that's what we're celebrating. The joy that he bought. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, sat with his friends, broke the bread, praised his father and said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it. The end of the meal, he took the cup. Again, he thanked his Father in heaven. He gave the cup to his friends. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take it and drink it. When you do, remember me and my love for you. This is, at one time, the most somber and the most joyful thing that can be done this side of heaven. If you and I do that right. If we come to this table knowing our desperate need for Him. That His sacrifice is the only way that we have any hope. Right? Any life, any joy, any salvation. But knowing we have it in Him, that's joy. Okay? So it's both. Look, most of us here are mutts, Catholic, Protestant, blah, blah. If you have surrendered to Jesus Christ and you belong to Him, this is your meal. If you're not there yet, you are so welcome here, but don't do the symbol before you do the heart work, okay? And, and here's the thing. The hard work isn't like something you have to earn. It's just receiving Him. And if you want to do that, we can help you do that. So you're going to come and you're going to celebrate and you're going to take the bread and the cup and you're going to remember that He's in you. And then you're going to let Him work through you in ways that you never dreamed.
We got people posted in the corners. You're going to have to walk by us. We want to bless you. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for something or someone you're concerned about. Anything that he might have told you today to do, we can help pray for you. I love you. The joy is just getting started.